Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right, boys and girls. You heard the man. This is Tyler Sheff, and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. This week, guys, we're going to answer the very important question, one that comes up every single day, it seems like. Are we still in a seller's market? What's going to happen with the quote-unquote market? When does the, we hit the bottom of the market? For that matter, when do we hit the top of the market? That's what I'm going to talk about today. And I get this question a lot. I see it on my social media. I see people posting it up on YouTube. I see it absolutely everywhere. Uh, and this week, by the way, guys, I don't have a video for you this week. I'm still trying to work out the workflow on that whole thing. Uh, and today I'm not in, in a place where you would want to see what's going on. I'm literally inside of a empty building that uh, up at my property, nothing pretty to look at. Definitely not me pretty look at. I've been up here in the woods for a month and I look a little rough around the edges. I am clean shaven though. I'll tell you that I did take a shave. I took a good shave yesterday. So I do look like a respectable person, not like a homeless person. But anyway, let's get back to, is it a seller's market? Well, the, the real question is, is it really the right time for you to buy is really what you're asking. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what a market quote unquote is doing. What matters is, is there motivation? Is there a reason to buy? Is it worth making a purchase at all, right? The only way you're going to know that is to ask questions. For example, I have a 10-unit building that I've been uh, dealing with for about the last week, right? As you guys know, I have the Real Estate Investment Fund. We're buying multifamily assets in Florida, and we're going to uh, fix them up real pretty, reposition them, get new tenants in there, raise the, the cash flow. Cash flow raises the value, and then we're going to sell them, and we're going to do more. And that's what we're doing with the fund here in Florida. So I spend the last several weeks pounding the pavement, pounding direct mail, pounding social media, walking, talking, meeting people, shaking hands, kissing babies, all that good stuff. Well, I trip over a 10-unit building that is mislisted. It's on the market, but the realtor has it in the wrong section, which means it's been on the market a while because nobody's looking there for it. I'm not going to tell you where it is, but uh, let's just say you... you <laughs> You'd be, it's a head shaker for sure. So long story short, I've been asking, I've been reaching out to the seller I call, or the listing agent rather. I call them, leave a message, wait a day or two, nothing. I send an email, no reply. I send a text, no reply. I literally wrote a handwritten note, mailed it to their office, no reply. Friended them on Facebook, sent them a message on Facebook, call me, would like to buy your building, nothing. So I do a little more research. I'm thinking, geez, so then I call the person's broker, which I don't like to do, guys. I really don't like to do that because I kind of feel some agents get buttered about it. and They feel like I'm tattling on them or something, even though it's really not the case. But it's like, hey, I want to respect your agreement with the seller or whoever you're working with. But I, at the same time, need to find out more information about this deal. Like, I'm not just going to write an offer unless I have income. I'd like to see a little bit of pro forma or a rent roll or something. Uh, kind of get an idea of what your insurance costs, because guys, that's a wild card right now. Insurance costs are going through the ceiling, which side note, when you're underwriting real estate these days, guys, don't guess at the insurance because you may be unpleasantly surprised. I have been sticker shocked recently with uh, the cost of insurance and of course, rising property taxes. The counties down here in Florida are raising taxes like nuts. Anyway, Chasing after this listing agent, finally get them to respond to a text. They, of course, they respond to me at 10 o'clock at night. I'm already in bed saying, I'll send you the stuff in the morning. Great. Week goes by, nothing. See, that's how patient I am. I gave him a whole week. Nothing comes over. And then I find out after doing some digging, I decided to start researching who the seller is. It's owned by an LLC. I trace down the LLC. How do you do that? You go to the state's uh, Department of Corporations, a Division of Corporations website. 
And that's what I did in the state of Florida. It's called sunbiz.org and, uh, or sunbiz, I think it's, yeah, .org. But I went to sunbiz and when I got to sunbiz, I searched the name and lo and behold, the owner is also the listing agent. It'd be nice if they would have told me that in the MLS because you're supposed to, but it's a whole other story for a different day. So now I know I'm dealing direct with a seller. Well, that's two thumbs up, but I'm dealing with a seller that's a realtor. That's not necessary. That's kind of like a sideways thumb. So anyway, I wait a couple days. And again, the whole time, guys, I'm being polite. I said, hey, uh, I looked in line and found out, figured out, discovered you're the seller. I'd really like to get an offer in front of you on this soon. If you're still interested in selling, let me know. I need to get get a rent roll or get an idea of what sort of expenses you're facing at this stage of the game. And I was just curious why you might be selling such a gorgeous property. Well, finally, I get a response. And the response is, look, I'll send you the stuff in the morning like I said I would. Keep in mind, the last time they said they'd send me the stuff in the morning, it was a week ago. That's one long morning. Then they said, if you're not planning on writing a full price offer, don't waste my time. It's like, wow, well, hello. Just It's like, walk up and kick me in the ding-ding. It's like, geez, buddy, or lady, or whatever. They have a name. It's kind of hard to tell if they're male or female. And there's, of course, no picture of them, even though there's a realtor. They're a realtor. There's no picture of them anywhere online. The realtor.com profile is blank. There's no photograph, no nothing. So anyway... Here I am dealing with a seller of this 10plex. Now, I'm not in love with this place, I'll be honest with you, but I'm willing to look at it. I I like the neighborhood, but I don't necessarily like the location of the building. It's not too far from a railroad track, so I'm not real excited about that. I don't like to buy properties near railroad tracks if I can avoid it uh, because that makes a lot of noise and it's harder to get tenants. However, if I can get a ridiculous deal because of where it's situated, maybe they're extra motivated because they're having a tough time getting tenants. Then I'll look at that property because people will rent it. It's just not for the same amount of money that they would rent it in a better location. Now, the location it's in is a good neighborhood. It's just geographically not ideal. It's not perfect, but it's a very walkable neighborhood. It's close to commerce. It's in a great real estate market. So I'm not dead against it. But I'll consider those things, but I need to adjust the pricing and the acquisition strategy when I'm looking at that type of scenario. So that's a good indication. Now, there's a there's a person that is not motivated to sell. So they stuck it on the NLS. And by the way, the property was on the market. It, they've been trying to sell it for about three years now. It's been on the MLS off and on for about three years. And they started it, the deal at $1.7 million, and now they're down below a million. And well below a million. And, but depending on what the rents are currently and how much work has to be done to bring it into, into 2022, that's going to depend if it's even worth taking on the project. Because, you know, there's not, not every deal, every property that's for sale is a deal, as you well know. So here's a case where it doesn't really matter what the market's doing because the seller's clearly not motivated. And they're kind of a jerk. So they're going to hold on to this property for a while. Here's the thing. I'm going to put that in the back of my Rolodex, in the back of my mind. And I'm going to set myself up a little tickler to go check on this every week or so and see if it's still on the market. And then I may have my partner call or one of our other acquisitions people call on it to see if they get a different response. Uh, And that's happened. I may have Jill reach out to him. Uh, You know, sometimes the girl's voice makes all the difference. She's got a cute voice. Maybe that'll work to get them in a different mood. Maybe they'll have a whole different experience. Who knows? 
But it doesn't mean that just because they're a jerk, I'm going to throw them, throw, throw out the baby with the bathwater. It doesn't mean that because it's next to a railroad track or close to a railroad track that I'm absolutely not going to buy it. It depends on the deal. I mean, honestly, if we could reposition the thing and make a million bucks for our, us and our investors, well, hey, I'm willing to overlook that it's a railroad, that there's a railroad track, but the exit strategy needs to be clear because I don't take unnecessary risk with my own money. And I especially don't do it with other people's money. That's just called being a good investor, being a good guy. Cause you know, I've got my money. I've got friends money invested in this thing. I mean, I, this is important. I'm not going to make unnecessary investments just to get people, uh, get money moving. That doesn't make good sense. So anyway, a lot of people are thinking that, well, all this news of doom and gloom and the interest rates going up means that people aren't buying to the same degree. And, and you, you know, depending on what market you're in and what type of asset you're talking about, you might be true. Or that might be accurate. But here, know this. I just put a foreclosure on the market. Uh, I listed it for the bank because, yeah, as you guys know, I am a dirty bottom feeder realtor also. And I put a, a listing on the market and I had over a dozen offers right out of the gate. Strong offers. I mean, real strong offers. And we obviously went under contract. Now we held it out for several days to make sure we got uh, good offers on there and the fact that it's a bank and they have a board of directors and the board of directors has to meet to decide at what price they're going to sell it and all that hoo-ha. But understand this, the, the bank got a ridiculous amount of money for this property. So if you say that it's, it's becoming a buyer's market, I got news for you. That's not the case because the folks, on this house were hot and heavy. They were feeding on this thing like hungry wolves. There was no joke. They were all over it. So what that tells me is the market isn't, is really a myth, right? Everything is asset specific and buyer specific. For, exa for example, let's say uh, you're buying a property that has a dried up pond next to it. Well, for somebody that wants to do a, a fishing lodge, that probably wouldn't be worth looking at. But for someone that can't stand the water, maybe had a puppy drown or get eaten by an alligator or something, they don't want a pond anyway. So for them, they're going to bring in some fill dirt. They're going to put a, a football field out there and, you know, invite kids to come play or whatever, make a baseball diamond out of it. So you spend less time worrying about timing because you cannot time a market. Whether or not it's a seller's market, a buyer's market doesn't matter. Don't take your buying hints from people off the internet. Not for that matter. Use complete logic when you're taking your making a buy or sell decision in to hand. It should be a numerical decision. First of all, do the numbers make sense? Don't speculate, especially now. It's never really a good idea to completely speculate. Make sure you surround yourself with people smarter than you. Make sure you ask good questions. That's why, like with the fund, for example, we have several people in our food chain that we, when I bring a deal, I look at a deal. I do some initial negotiation, then I get Jill involved, I get Mike involved. We have other people on the team that we bring in. We bring in our real estate attorney, our CPA. We all look at this, at these opportunities before we get down to brass tacks. And hey guys, sometimes they just don't work out. We've had a couple where we were close on negotiations, but we couldn't get the numbers to where they needed to be. We can't lie to ourselves about what, it, how it will perform. And if that's the case, then we simply don't pull the trigger. That's called being smart. And being a savvy investor, the difference between you don't get points, guys and girls, for the number of deals you do. Every time I open my inbox, somebody wants to get on the podcast, like I'm 22 and I've done 1100 deals. No, you haven't. Shut up and go back to sleep. Don't lie to me that nobody's done that many deals. That's ridiculous. Uh, nobody living anyway. It would take an army to do that. Those kind of deals. 
So don't get so caught up in the timing and like you have to get so many deals and you have to get so many doors. Instead, take time to research the market, understand your exit strategy, make sure that your math is solid, make sure your due diligence is solid. Talk to property managers in the area. If you're working with a syndicator, that syndicator hopefully is going to be leveraging experience, local market experience, because nobody can be an expert in every market. What we do is when we go into a different market, we start talking to property managers first because we want to get a good idea of what's what makes the ball bounce in that town. Uh, where do the people work? What are the demographics? And you'll be surprised to know that a lot of property managers don't have the answers to those questions. What does that mean? That means they're not part of the cash flow guys crew. They're not part of cash flow capital. They're just not going to be involved in our team because I don't need a pencil pusher, a paper pusher. I, I need somebody that understands the market, understands the tenant class that we're aiming for or that we're targeting so that they can deliver them the service they need. Guys, I don't want to get too far off on a tangent here, but I'll say this. When you're talking about markets and understanding what's going on in, in an actual market, in an individual real estate market, let's say you're looking at, I don't know, Orlando, Florida. Just because somebody manages property doesn't mean bupkis. You need to, first of all, find somebody that's used to managing that type of property. So if you've got a class B property, class A property, that's one type of management team. If you've got a C or a D property, completely different management team. Learning about whether or not something's a seller's market or buyer's market really doesn't matter because you can't cannot make offers based on your perception of what other people will do. That will get you in trouble. So spend less time worrying about whether it's a seller's market or a buyer's market, or for that matter, even if you're not worried about it, you're just thinking about it. Think less about that and more about the mathematics and the strength of the deal. Where are the tenants coming from that are going to move in there? Uh, does this price make sense? Can I make the profit I need to make to pay my investors and myself with this deal? Or do I, am I doing the hope and pray method? I strongly encourage you not to do the hope and pray method. Now, some people are like, gee, Tyler, how come you haven't got a, a new deal to replace the last one yet? That's because I'm not a moron and I'm not in a hellfire rush. I'm not going to go out and just throw money out on the street and hope to God it works out on the other end. That's not how I do business. We want to make sure that we make a a good, solid profit, and a, which results in a great return to our investors. That is not a process that we rush, okay? We intend instead talk to a lot of sellers, a lot of brokers. Reluctantly, we actually talk to wholesalers now too to find different opportunities out there so we can match one that works for us. We're not out there trying to get a, be in a race to failure. You got to be real careful when you're doing this, guys. Now, I see a lot of people, and I've said this before, I see a lot of people out there doing deals, I think just to feel like they get some sort of badge of honor because their deals won't ink. I'm here to tell you, the last thing you want is to get all wrapped up in a deal to find out that the market won't support it, like saying, oh, it'll rent for $1,200 a month every unit if I just give it new countertops and a brand new toilet. I got news for you. If it's running for 700 now, you're not going to get 1250 because that property that's running for 750 has a stigma. A stigma takes a, a while, a few cycles to get over. You're not going to change a stigma from a building overnight. Trust me, I've tried. It doesn't work. You have to allow several years for that stigma to get to go past. You're going to have an introductory group of tenants that are going to move in there. They're going to give feedback to their peers. And over time, if you're a good management team, you're a good operator, you're going to turn the building around. But that means 
You have to be smart about it. You can't overpay for these buildings and just hope that the market will catch up. That's what's going to get you in trouble. And that's why I get nervous when I hear people saying buyer's market, seller's market, whatever. Enough of that, guys. Don't worry about buyer's market and seller's market. Also, don't worry about overpriced. Everybody says it's overpriced. Overpriced does not matter. Everything is overpriced all the time. Okay. But at the same time, you got to be smart with what you're doing. Now, just because if somebody wants a million dollars for something that we know is worth 200,000, guess what? Nobody's talking to them. And if they are talking to them, they're morons. So the seller will get annoyed talking to a fellow moron. So good. Now that we know that and they actually meet you, the intelligent person that I can actually work a calculator and you could sit down with them and go, I'd love to give you a million dollars for this. Based on the numbers you gave me, I would lose $16,344 a month. How do I justify that to the appraiser? And then shut up. And they're going to be like, you could pay cash for it. Well, if I had a million dollars, I mean, I certainly wouldn't, I'd be doing something else, wouldn't I? The bottom line is, you're not going to change someone's mind. They have to change their own mind. Say, look, I'd love to buy this, but I don't want to give you an offer. It's going to insult you. I don't want to insult your intelligence. But what I would like to do is at some point, if you'd like to sit down and come up with a fair and equitable price where we could buy this from you, give you the terms and conditions that you need, give you a price that makes sense and is fair for both of us, then we'll put together a win-win deal and do business. And if not, we'll part as friends. How's that sound? Now, you could get the seller like that knucklehead I was I was chasing down. It says, give me a full price offer. Forget it. Don't waste my time. You know, that guy or girl, you're probably not going to get very far sitting down at a table with them. But that said, people's motivation changes over time, which is why I keep them in my tickler file. I'm watching what's happening. I'm talking to other brokers in the area. Hey, have you heard about 123 Anywhere Street, that 10plex? What's the deal with that? Oh, that's old Jimmy. Jimmy's been trying to sell that place for 10 years. It's sitting on a sinkhole and it's got a, a nuclear waste dump behind it. Uh, so now I know, right? So if that's the case and it's, it becomes something I don't want, then I'll take it off my list. But and then, until then, it'll sit there. And every once in a while, I'll call up and figure out a question to ask or, hey, just wanted to check in, see if, you, if you've had any thoughts or maybe you've, you're rethinking uh, your position on this deal. I'm still in a position to do something on it, but of course, you know, I can't lose $20,000 a month. But um, if you change your mind, I just wanted to let you know I'm still looking, I'm still buying, still can get this wrapped up for you, can close quickly, yada, yada, yada. So guys, I hope that helps answer that question for you a little bit, relaxes you, just start thinking about it. And if you're out doing deals, and if you're working with people that saying, oh, I have deals, my deal pipeline is full. Well, are they really deals? I mean, come on. Because I don't think that's really the case. Yes, you get a deal here and there, but you know it's slim pickings right now. Trust me, we've been marketing like hell, and we but we've looked at a lot of duds because we don't want to take we don't want a complete train wreck uh, right out of the gate with this thing. We want to start out with something that's nice and and will work and uh, that we can reposition and we can make a nice investment for or nice uh, profit return for our investors. With that said, before I wrap up, if you are a realtor or a wholesaler, or you want to join, consider joining the team as one of our acquisitions people, we are hiring. How do you find out more about that? Well, you go to cashflowguys.com, the website, and you click on the Ask Tyler button and you book a call with me and you tell me a little bit about yourself, your background, that type of thing, and we'll see what we can work out for you. So 
for this deal, you need to be a go-getter. You don't necessarily have to be in the state located in the state of Florida, but Florida is our market, so you would be focusing here on Florida. Who would I not hire? I will not hire anybody that's going to play silly games, lie, cheat, steal, take advantage of people, any of that drama. If you're a good person, you want to make some good money and get rolling to be part of a something bigger, then reach out to us. Go to cashflowguys.com, book an point, appointment, and get on my calendar. And guys, I'm going to wrap it up right there, and I will catch up with you next time. Have a great week, guys. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.